0: All right, thanks, Amy, and good morning, everybody. Good morning to everybody watching online with us and joining us online. Uh, my name is Nick Schatz, one of the pastors here, and I'm excited that uh, I get the honor to open the Bible and teach from that, so that's always fun for me. Uh, before I jump into that, we're, by the way, if you, want to, if you have your own copy of the Bible, if you don't, everything will be on the screen, that's fine. If you have your own copy, you can go to First Thessalonians. We're going to be in that letter today. Uh, while you're turning there, while we transition from the cards, passing those in, uh, I just want to say thank you real quick. So every year, uh, at least twice in the year, usually in December at the end of the calendar year, and in June at the end of the fiscal year, we we ask you to please give generously to Hershey Free Church to set us up for the new year, to set us up for the new fiscal year, and uh, we even gave a specific challenge this last month, and I just want to say thank you. You all, you all, uh, you, you overcame or went above my expectations, I'm not sure how to say that, and so I just want to say thank you for giving generously to Hershey Free Church. Uh, you, you really did come through in the last month, and that helps us uh, for the next month or two. We're going to be planning out the next ministry year, and, and that, kind of sets, that kind of sets a tone for, hey, what, what are we able to do? What are we not able to do? So thank you for giving to that. Uh, I, I, I had, like, all these stories I wanted to share, but I'll just take time for one uh, as a result of your giving. So right now, all of the teenagers are at uh, Winter Blast. It is a, it's, a, it's a winter camp, obviously, they go to at Camp Orchard Hill. There's 99 people that we took, so it's this huge group, right? Um, in case you're wondering, why is it so quiet in here? Well, all the teens are there. So uh, they, they all went to Winter Blast. Uh, there, was, there was a new student, and I'm talking, like, a week and a half ago. Their family moved to the Hershey area. She attended the youth group, heard about Winter Blast, wanted to go. I mean, but within a few days, can you fork up all this money to go on this camp thing? And So, so anyway, she, you know, you can imagine. You're a teenager. You're moving into the area. You don't have any friends. It's the middle of the school year. Like, there's all these, and it's cold. She was from the south. My goodness, it's cold up here. So all, all these challenges. Well, hey, uh, we, we told her about, about Winter Blast. And because people like you have been given for years to Hershey Free and the youth group and stuff, Uh, we were able to fund her from a scholarship fund, and so she's instantly matched with all these friends that follow Jesus, and uh, you know, a lot of them go to her school, so it's just, it's just like one story, like all these things happen all the time, but we only have time to tell you a couple, so that's one example. Um, Also, in other news, uh, Dean told me for the men's breakfast they might be able to afford eggs again, so that's kind of cool, but anyway... I'm just kidding. The price of eggs is outrageous. That's not happening. But uh, okay, so let's jump in. Let's jump in today. So uh, if you're if you're just catching up with us, we have started the new year from here until Easter. We are doing a series called Love This Book. It's actually the fourth time we've done this, different, different segments of the Bible. And what we're doing for the next several weeks is we're going through Paul's letters. Now, uh, some of you may be wondering, okay, who is Paul and why are we reading somebody else's mail from 2,000 years ago? That's a great question. So let me try to real briefly introduce you to that in case this is a little bit new to you. So your Bible is divided into two sections. The first half or one-third is called the Old Testament. It's the old part. And then the other part is is the new part, the New Testament. Sometimes we hear the Old Testament called the Hebrew Bible because it was written in Hebrew, right, for the Jews. Uh, The New Testament, sometimes you call it the Christian Bible because it was written after the time of Christ, after the time of Jesus. Now, the New Testament that we've been going through is basically a compilation of a bunch of letters that were written by some of the first followers of Jesus and they were scattered to all different churches around the area. Now, the man who wrote the most letters uh, in the New Testament, his name was Paul. He was a missionary, he was a church planter, he would travel to a city, he would meet with Jews and other people in synagogues and and, and people of other faiths, and they would convert to Christianity. He would form a church, he would help them form leaders and elders and pastors in that church, and he would move on and do the same thing over again from city to city to city. Now, in order to stay in contact you know, before they had Zoom, he, what he did to, to keep in touch with these churches and to make sure they were doing the right thing and, and living the Christian life and, you know, yada, 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 is uh, he would send co-workers to visit them, and he'd send Phoebe or Timothy or somebody to visit and check in. Uh, he, he was, sometimes he would swing by himself. That was hard to do. It was hard to travel. It takes a long time in the ancient world. And what he would do is he would write letters to these churches. Now, these letters have a lot of weight to them. There's a lot of doctrine. There's a lot of good stuff in them. So they would copy the letters and send them on, and, and like, we still have them. Uh, Not the originals, because those kind of materials don't last without disintegrating. But uh, we we have copies of these original letters. And these are what form the basis of, like, what should Christians and churches do, (laughs) right? So this forms the basis of what we believe, why we believe it, what we do. So that's why we're reading... Uh, other people's mail, in other words. Uh, so we're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians. Uh, the church of Thessalonica was one of those churches. He wrote at least two letters that we have copies of. So we're reading from 1 Thessalonians. We're going to read verses 2 through 10 of the first chapter, okay? If you don't have a copy, that's fine. It'll all be up here. But read 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 2 through 10, together with me. Paul is writing, and he says, "We." Uh, he has some co with him, Silas and Timothy. Uh, we, we always thank God for you all the people of Thessalonica, the Christians there, and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, faith, hope, and love. That's like the big three, right? Uh, they, they They are exemplary at living out faith, hope, and love. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us. I don't know if you like to highlight stuff, underline stuff, circle stuff in your Bible. If you do, go ahead and circle or highlight or whatever that word imitate. That's going to be the theme for the day. You have imitated us and the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model. Those who were imitating Paul are now imitating the faith for other Christians, All right? So the model is another form of imitation. To all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, those are regions in the area, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere, Therefore, we don't need to say anything about it, for they themselves report. People are reporting on, how, on, on the virtues of faith, hope, and love that this church is doing. They're reporting of this, this kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now there's a lot of stuff that comes up in that one paragraph and of course there's the whole letter that we really want to try to cover a little bit but there's only time for me to cover one theme and it's a theme that comes up really strong in this paragraph but also in a bunch of the letters that Paul writes it's the theme of imitation of imitation I am modeling Christian faith so that others can, can see what it means to follow Jesus in the flesh and blood right in front of them to be an example. We're going to study imitation today. To get us started, uh, I, want to, I want to just point out a book that, uh, that I've been reading called The Road to Character. It's by David Brooks, and there's something that he says in the introduction that I thought might be helpful for you all. So in the intro, he talks about two different virtues that all of us are, are always working on. There are resume virtues and eulogy virtues. Okay? You know the difference in a resume and a eulogy, so a eulogy is what someone says at your funeral right it 's what someone has to say about your your character, about your morals about your uh, your heart, about your values again about about your virtues it 's like who you really are and, and what you what you live for right that 's your eulogy, and of course your resume virtue that those are the skills that you have learned along the way, that's the experience, particularly your work experience. That's the knowledge you've acquired, the education that you've had, the different jobs you've had. That's, uh, that's, that's what a resume is. Now, I think most of us would agree that our eulogy is more important than our resume. However, most, most of my life and my focus and the influences around me are helping me build my resume, not necessarily my eulogy, Right? So, so for instance, think about about the education system. From from kindergarten to to 12th grade, and some of you went to college, maybe a few of you went to grad school after that, it's it's all about building a resume. Okay, maybe you took an ethics class. Maybe you took one philosophy class, or maybe a lecture on this or that, or you had a group project that built your character. But, But for the most part, our education system is all about building your resume. It's how can you earn skills, how can you learn knowledge, how can you get credentialed for this or that. Furthermore, I, I am inundated, probably like you, I am inundated with ways that I can improve my, my resume. Uh, I, have, I have countless books on my shelf. I have, I have countless books in my Amazon shopping cart right now, right, that, that, that will help me with my work skills and to attain more knowledge and become more competent and, and you know, life hacks and self-help. Like, I, I'm, I'm inundated with books. I'm invited every month to, to seminars, to, now it's, you know, all these Zoom seminars they're doing, uh, conferences across the country to, so that I can help build my resume and become better at what I do and more competent in this or that. Uh, I, 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 there are more resources at my disposal that I already own, right, that will help me with my resume. I don't even have time to consume them all. Question, what resources are available for me to build my eulogy? Because I am developing my eulogy, whether I think about it or not, right? So what, what is available to help me build my, my character? my virtues, my morals, like what is available to build my eulogy and to become that kind of person? So you can probably think of a few things, right? There's different uh, resources out there and and, and there's a lot of ways we can answer that question. I want to point out one, I want to focus on one very important way for you to build this kind of character, okay? If you want to develop, if you want to improve your character, you must learn the art of imitation, if you want to improve your character, and by the way, I'm I'm assuming that all of you want to improve your character. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me; you'd be out vandalizing property somewhere, right? You, you all—the only reason you're listening is because you do want to improve your character. And if you want to do that, you must learn to imitate. Here's a map of the text and what we're gonna and how we're gonna find this in the text. Okay, so look back at verse two. Paul says, "We remember before our God and Father your faith." love and hope like the big three these are the virtues that they they were living these things out and by the way in in all the the letters that Paul wrote to the different churches he almost always reprimands them at some point like hey I heard you're doing this I heard this is happening this needs to stop you need to silence these people he's always reprimanding in Thessalonians he never there's, there's no reprimand it's all good job good job good job good job keep it up they are like they are living out faith hope and love the big three he says, how did, you guys, how did you guys build that kind of Christian character and godly virtue? Look at verse 6. Because you became imitators of me and of the Lord Jesus. You imitated our way of life. And not only that, but you became a model. He goes on in verse 7. You became a model for all the other churches. When the churches had a church conference to go to, they would go to Thessalonica, right? This, this church was doing the stuff right. They were living a godly lifestyle, right? Because they imitated Paul. And they live that out. And so here's what we're going to learn. If you want to improve your character, and by the way, I'm assuming, if you're still listening, I'm assuming you do want to improve your character. Otherwise, you'd be out planning a bank heist somewhere, right? You want to improve your character, and so if you want to do so, you must learn the art of imitation. Now, there's two things in the text we're going to see. First off, when it comes to imitation, you need someone to look up to. You need someone to look up to. We learn best by imitating other people. We are told over and over in scripture to imitate Jesus and to be like him. And the best way to imitate Jesus is to follow flesh and blood people right in front of us who are doing that well. You need other people to look up to. Number two, we're going to look at this in a little bit. You need someone to look out for. You need to become the kind of person that is worthy of imitation. All of us want someone to tell us, hey, I want to be like you someday. I've seen your character, your morals. I've, I've, seen, I've seen the way that you live your life. Like, all of us want to be that kind of person. And, and maybe you would say, I don't want people to imitate me. I would argue you're not being humble. You're, you're shirking a responsibility that we have to invest in other people and to live with Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead others to do the same. You're shirking that responsibility if you say, I don't, wanna, I don't want people to imitate me. No, no, no. You need to become the kind of person that's looking out for others. So that's what we're going to learn about today. If you want to improve your character, you must learn to imitate. All right? Let's look at number one. Let's look at point number one. We just read read, uh, verse two. Let me start off by saying this Imitation is inescapable. You cannot help but imitate the people that are around you, but imitate the people that influence you. You can't help but do it. I'll give you a case in point. I was raised in the South, I was raised in North Carolina. Every time that I, my family and I go back down south to visit with family or whatever, as soon as we cross the border, it's like, it's like a switch goes off in my head, and I start using words that my kids have no idea what they mean. I'm all like, hey, son, can you pull the door to? Pull the door to? The door to what? See, you, you, don't, you don't even know what that means. It, pull, pull the door shut. I, I, don't know why, I don't know why I say it. It's just, that's just what we do. It's rubbed off on me. It makes no sense, but it's rubbed off on me. I'll say, hey, kids, look over yonder. And my daughter's like, I don't see any yonders what's a yonder? What am I looking for? <laughs> I start using these words that nobody understands. I start talking like a hick. This is just, it just happens to me as soon as I go down south. And by the way, the same thing happens to my wife. She was born and raised in Wisconsin. As, as soon as the first cheese curd hits her lips, she starts talking like a youper. And it's oop, oop. Every other word is oop, oop. Got a school trite past you there. Oop. Everything's oop, oop. My kids are like, dad, what's wrong with mom? I'm like, <laughs> bless her heart bless your heart. Right? So it's just, it, it, rubs, it rubs off on you. You can't help. If you were raised in a certain area, you, you can't just not talk like that and act like that. and think that it, just, it rubs off on you. We, we live by imitation. We can't help it. We can choose who we imitate, but we can't help but imitate. It's just a part of life. Uh, here's something that's helpful that's written by Jason Hood. He wrote a book called Imitating God, and here's what he says. Imitation is simply inescapable. From birth to adulthood, imitation drives our behavior and belief. Peer pressure, herd mentality, word of mouth, and other social factors and processes create fresh plausibility structures blah, that's a tongue twister, that facilitate experimentation with drugs, with religion, facial hair, if you like sushi, new television programs, etc. We rarely adopt a child or try a new diet or engage in fasting and prayer unless exemplars model these actions and the mindsets that make the actions possible. We keep up with the Joneses, sometimes with reckless abandon, sometimes almost subconsciously duplicating their patterns of speech and consumption and dress and recreation. He goes on and says, we are all imitators shaped in a thousand ways by what we see and hear around us. You can't help but imitate the people that you live around and that you interact with. You can't help it Okay, There are a thousand little goofy things that you do every single day that you didn't just create yourself, you learned by imitation. The way that you pronounce certain words, is it pecan or pecan? You learned that from your upbringing. It's it's pecan, by the way, in case you're wondering. Somebody here disagrees. Let me ask you a question. Do you throw trash in a trash can or a trash con? Point proof. All right, so that's the proper way to say that. So, so the, the way that you pronounce certain words, the kinds of food that you eat, some of you were raised in this area and, and you like mince pie. And this is not normal, right? It's just you grew up in an area. I'm looking at Dave over here. Just, you grew up acquiring a taste for gross pie. This is just how, it, right? You are, imbe- you are, the mannerisms that you have, the speed, scientists even say the speed at which you blink your eyes is learned subconsciously by the people you hang around. You can't help but imitate the people around you. Now, these are all goofy things, right? If you like mince pie, that's weird, but whatever. So, so these are all goofy things, but there's a million other important things. Uh, what you think about your possessions and how you use your money to help people or, or help yourself or whatever. The, the things that you care about, the way that you spend your time, the things that you, that you want and you drive for in life. Uh, the way that you treat and interact with other people. The, the way that you treat uh, animals. The way that you treat the planet. I mean, all this stuff is learned because you are in a certain society surrounded by people and in a family and in a state. Or, I mean, we, you can't help but imitate in, in small ways and in major ways the people that are around you. And here's why. Because you were created in the image of God. You were created, your purpose in creation was to imitate and to represent and be an image bearer of God. That is why... We were created. That is what it means to be human. You can't help but imitate someone or something. Now, I want to tell you something that's going to haunt you, or at least it haunted me for the last couple of weeks, right? Here's a book, there's a book written by Greg Boyd uh, called We Are What We Worship. What are, he says, he talks about idolatry, and uh, an idol is basically anything that, that is not God that, that you look to, that, that, you, that you pursue, that you, that you worship, in other words, that you give your, your full attention and drive to, right? Here's what he says in that book. Here's a sentence. We are either being conformed into an image of the world or to God. So you are either imitating the character of God or you're imitating some kind of warped, sinful misrepresentation of what God is not. You are either imitating an idol of the world or God. So here's my question. Are you going to imitate God and his character or some sinful misrepresentation of his character? Because you're going to imitate someone or something. Okay, hopefully you would say, I want to imitate God. I want to imitate uh, his son, Jesus. So how can we do that? How can we become the kind of people that gradually are shaped into the image of Jesus? There's a few different ways that we could answer that question. If you want to grow in your character, though, I would argue you must learn to imitate. You must be around other people who are living godly, other godly men and godly women who are are living the kind of lifestyle, following Jesus that you want to live. Here's another quote I want to share with you from Daryl Bach. He writes in one of his books, the individualism that pervades our culture and that works against community and having a commitment to community also works against developing spiritual growth. See, unlike a diet or an exercise program, God's program for getting us into spiritual shape requires our working out alongside others. Those believers who dislike assembling with the church or who shun small groups are missing one of the great means that God uses to form us. Okay? You will not be able to improve your character only by reading self help books and trying harder. You will not be able to become more like Jesus only by studying the Bible and praying. You should do those things, but, but that is not enough. You also need to be around other godly men and other godly women so that you can imitate their behavior as they are imitating Jesus. This is what the text shows us. Now, I want to show you. This doesn't just come up in First Thessalonians, okay? Over and over, Paul writes about this. I want to show you just a, a splattering of verses. And this isn't all of them, okay? This is just a handful that I thought would be helpful. First Thessalonians uh, 1, you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. First Corinthians 11, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. First Corinthians 4, I urge you to imitate me how I follow Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Chapter 4, keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Second Timothy 1, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. Second Thessalonians 3, for you know that you ought to imitate us. We wanted to give you an example to follow. Galatians 4, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do. Over and over and over again, Paul is saying, imitate me, because I'm imitating Jesus. You need to follow my example. Over and over and over, he says this. And he says it because he knows if you want to improve your character. And, And by the way, I know that all of you in here and watching online want to improve your character. Otherwise, you would not have kept listening to me. You would be out kicking puppies and beating kittens by now, right? No, you want to improve your character. So therefore, you must learn the art of imitation, First off, you need someone to look up to. You have to build meaningful connections with people that are worth imitating. And, and a good way to start, the first way to start is by regularly and faithfully attending a worship service like this. So you are, you are actually around other Christians. If you haven't joined a group yet, okay, I hope you check that box for, for looking at a connect group or, or a, a live lovely group. I mean, this is how you end up developing these relationships and friendships with other godly men and women that you can imitate This is why Jesus became a human, so we could actually see him and imitate him, and now we can imitate people that are still around with us today, okay? So you need someone to look up to. Number two, you need someone to look out for. You need someone to look out for. It's not just about imitating others. You need to become someone worthy of imitation. Many of you know this quote from Oscar Wilde. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. We all want someone to look up to us. All of us. I, 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 I would love it nothing more than if my kids were to say one day, Dad, I want to be like you because I've watched your character. So we need to start becoming the kind of people that others want to imitate. Okay, let's go back to our text in First Thessalonians one. I'm going to pick it up in verse seven. He says, "Hey, because you have been imitating me and 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 my friends Timothy and these people, because you have been imitating me, here's what he says in verse seven: You became a model; others were imitating you. Now you became a model." To all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, no pressure, right? The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere, he goes on to say. In other words, Paul has dedicated his life to imitating Jesus. And the church of Thessalonica has been imitating Paul because he is, he is right there in front of them, a representation of what it means to follow Jesus. And now this church has become a model for other churches to follow now, modeling godly character doesn't just come up here, it comes up elsewhere in Paul, where Paul says, imitate me, but also imitate these other people who are doing this well. Look at, look at this in Philippians 3. Learn from those, who, so, so imitate these others who, who I recommend that are following godly character. Imitate these people. Uh, Hebrews 6, uh, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but a lot of scholars believe Paul did. Hebrews 6, follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So we follow Jesus, but we also follow other people that are following Jesus, Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider their outcome, uh, the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. Imitate. Imitate. I'm going to take a pause for a second. I'm going to take a time out, because if you're like me, when, when i was beginning to research this when i was thinking about this and looking up like these splattering of verses and this isn't all of them there's times where paul says i was like a father to you and so, so there's there's all these other uh, ways where he says to imitate me and to be like me and to pattern your life after me Th- there were a lot of times where i thought wait is this a flex from paul <laughs> like is he just is he being arrogant it, this sounds kind of arrogant like you and i wouldn't talk like this you're not going to walk just not going to walk around going hey you guys should be like me like we just don't talk like this right so is paul being arrogant as I've researched this, there's, there's a couple of things that I've, a couple of conclusions that I've come to that I want to share with you. First off, Paul's not being arrogant in his letters, but rather, he's being real. There's actually several times in his letters where he points out his flaws, right? I mean, there's one, there's one verse where he says that he was the chief of sinners. Like, take all the sinners of the world, line them up, and I'm at the back of the line, right? <laughs> he's, I'm the chief of sinners. There's another text where he says that, that he calls himself a savage and says the only way that God could get my attention. The only way, the only reason I became a Christian is because God literally stopped me and bl- he physically blinded me. That's the only way he could get my attention. So Paul is very open about his faults, but he's also open about, hey, I'm, I'm trying to live out a godly example and, and you guys should follow my example. You guys should follow after the words that I'm saying, okay? So he's not being arrogant, he's being real. Secondly, he, this is a reasonable ex- expectation for someone in his position. Paul and his colleagues are running around the known world, the Roman Empire, forming these churches and establishing elders in these churches. It's a reasonable exception that his life should back up what he's saying. His walk should back up his talk. In fact, if you study other of his letters where he talks about the qualifications of an elder, but part of the, the qualification is you better be worthy of other people following you. And if you're not living a godly life, I don't care what you know, what you're educated No, you can't be an elder. You can't be a pastor. By the way, this is part of the job interview to be a pastor. Like, you have to, your Facebook page and everything, I mean, you have to live it out. And this is a reasonable expectation. You have to live out what others should be replicating and imitating. This is a reasonable expectation for Paul to expect others to be able to imitate him. And then lastly, Paul repetitively says this because I think he believed these two things, that all of us need someone to look up to. I, 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 I benefit so much from reading about Jesus But I also benefit from seeing someone right in front of my face that is living out the life of Jesus. We need someone to look up to and we also need someone to look out for. We need to be living the kinds of lives that others can look to us and imitate. And so Paul is someone who he is mentoring men and women who become the next missionaries and the next church planters. People like Timothy and Titus and Priscilla and Lydia. These were missionaries and church planters that that Paul was mentoring and trying to live out. Hey, here's the model of how you do this. Paul is the one who, he mentored the first pastors of the first churches. Men men like Epaphroditus and women like Phoebe and Nympha, the first pastors of these churches. He was mentoring them and trying to imitate to them what godly living and pastoring should look like. It is a reasonable expectation for Paul to see himself as someone who should be worthy of imitation. And he would also say this, maybe you're not there yet, but you should become the kind of person that is worthy of imitation. Or, in the words of the mission of our church, lead others to do the same. You should become this kind of person. All right? And he actually says this to a couple individuals. Here's one of his letters written to a young man named Timothy, who was a pastor. Uh, 1 Timothy 4. Be an example to all believers in what you say, the way you live, in your love, in your faith, in your purity. Be an example. Be worthy of, be someone that others can imitate. He wrote this to a, uh, to a man named Titus. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good right? Set the example. Be the example. This is just how we learn. We learn how to live by imitating others. Uh, Long ago, when I was in high school, longer ago than I like to admit. So when I was in high school, uh, there was a man who, uh, David Newby, he told me this one day. He said, Nick, the best thing you can do is to find a man of God and grab a hold of him and never let go. I took that figuratively because I didn't want to end up in juvenile jail, right? But what I did was I, I went on the search. I, I, who, is, who, is the, who is the most godly man that I can find? And I want to, I like, follow them. I want to learn from them, right? And so the person I found was, the first person I found was Doug Weber. He was a teacher in my school at the time, and he was, like, he was the closest thing to Jesus that I could find, right? So I started following him. I, uh, and this was before, I don't mean social media, I mean, like, actually following him. And so, uh, what I would do is sometimes I would scarf my lunch down, and I'd leave the lunch room, and I'd go sit in his office because he was a the teacher there. I'd go sit in his office, and we would just talk about faith and talk about life and the Bible, and whatever. We just we would just talk. Yeah, I probably bugged him to death. He never said I did. Uh, there, there were times where I went over to his house, uh, invited. I, I went over to his house, and I, I got to I got to I got to watch this guy. He I got to watch him like play with his kids and and give them chores and you know. Uh, you know, get on him for doing the wrong thing and praise him for, like, I, I got to watch him do all this stuff. I got to watch him interact with his wife. There were times where he'd frustrate his wife, and I got to watch him, you know, kind of smooth that over with her. Like, I, I mean, how, when, how, when do you get to actually watch people do these things? I got, I got a front row seat into how Mr. Weber lives out his faith, just, just like normal day stuff, and that has shaped so much of who I am today. Here's another example, so that was high school, when, when, uh, after I'd gotten into college, uh, my, my college year, so I was young 20s, 19 or twenty, something like that, uh, I needed a place to stay one night, and so I stayed the night with uh, this couple named the Hagenbushes, Mr. and Mrs. Hagenbush, and they probably thought nothing of this, but after, after dinner that night, they had, they had little preschoolers, uh, you know, one that's a toddler and a little bit older, and after dinner, we, we gathered in their living room. And they, they sang these praise songs. I don't know what they were. Like, he's got the whole world in his hand. You know, those kind of things. He sang a couple songs with them. The kids are dancing and singing. And it's fun. And, and then he gets open a Bible. And he, he reads a couple verses. They pray together. And they go to bed. It was just 10 minutes. And they probably thought nothing of it. Just 10 minutes. But because of that, t- but because of watching that for 10 minutes, I thought, if Rick Hagenbush can do it, I think I can do it. And so you fast forward 10 years from then. And, and you're going to find, my wife and I, Anna and I, in a tiny apartment in Dallas, in the living room, singing praise songs with the kids, reading the Bible, praying together, and then shuffling off to bed. Like, I, I, how am I going to, well, does the Bible tell me exactly how to do family devotions? No, but, but, but I got to watch, the, oh, this is how you do it. This is one of the ways to do it. I got to watch it. And I've been doing it for years. I mean, I, just because of that 10-minute interaction of watching someone do this. I could go on and on and share you tons of examples. Even, even to this day, there's, there's a retired pastor. He lives on the West Shore. I meet up with him every six to eight uh, weeks or so. I'll drive over to the West Shore, and, and we'll walk, and we'll talk. I'll tell him what I'm thinking about, what I'm praying about, what I, I complain to him, like all this stuff, right? And he tells me I'm wrong, and I should do this. So, so I mean, find a godly man, a godly woman, and just, and just grab a hold of him, right? This is how you learn To follow Jesus. This is how you improve your character. If you want to improve your character. And I know you do. Because if you didn't want to improve your character. You would not still be listening. You would be out stealing Amazon packages on somebody's front porch. right? You care about this. I know it. You must learn the art of imitation. You need someone that you can follow. And you need to become the kind of person that you can imitate. This is how you grow in your character and in following Jesus. Uh, now, with that said, I, wanna, I started with something from this book. I'm going to finish by, uh, close by by reading something, uh, just a couple more minutes here, from, from that book by Brooks. So here, here's the quote on the screen, I believe. You can't build rich character simply by reading sermons or following abstract rules. And, and by he's not saying sermons are bad. I hope not. This is what I'm doing, right? But example is the best teacher. Moral improvement occurs most reliably when we come into contact with people we admire and love, and we consciously and unconsciously bend our lives to mimic theirs. Hershey Free Church, don't just work on your resume, work on your eulogy. And if you want to improve your eulogy, if you want to work on your godly character, you must learn to imitate. You need someone to look up to. Who are you imitating? Who is a godly man, a godly woman, a godly peer that you're watching? What are the groups at Hershey Free Church where you were gathering to talk about these things and observe one another and, and, and study the Bible to, together and talk about it? it was like, what are the teams, the volunteer teams that you're a part of where you're like, doing this stuff together? Who are you following? And number two, you need someone to look out for. Are you someone that's worth imitating? How are you working on becoming the kind of person that others could imitate? I want to give a final challenge. I going to give one more challenge to those of you who do volunteer and, and serve in leadership at the church here. This church, the Church of Thessalonica, he says they became a model for the other churches. If the Roman Empire had a church leaders conference, everybody pulled up to the Thessalonica Free Church, right? What could we do to become the church? Oh, we're, we're real. Oh, Hershey, oh, they're, they're the real ones, <laughs> right? How can we be that? How can the ministry you serve and be that, Right? I want you to think about that, and if, if you're a leader or volunteer, like you, I know, you, I don't need to give you ideas. You're, you're going with it. You're already going with it. One last thought, if I can, give, if I can get 60 more seconds from you. One last thought. Uh, some of you are listening, some of you are watching online, and um, you, maybe, you're not a churchgoer, right? You don't come to church all the time. You, you're not a churchgoer. Uh, maybe you would say that, that you respect Jesus, that, that you enjoy reading about Jesus, and, and, you, and you respect the way he lived his life and stuff, but you, you haven't taken a step of like Devoting your life and service to Him—I mean, it's a big step, right? This, this one thing to respect Jesus; is another thing to go all in and, like, every day, this is what I do. I follow this guy. I'm, I'm devoting my life. I mean, that's a big step. So maybe, maybe you're listening in here, maybe you're online watching, and you say, "I respect Jesus," I haven't like plunged in and drank the Kool-Aid, right? That's—I'm I'm glad you're listening, first off, because you've given me 25 minutes of your time. That's a big deal. I recognize that. I just want to say—I just want to make sure I represent. Since we're studying Paul, I want to represent well what he says. What Paul would say, if he was here and could grab this little earpiece thing I got, he would say, listen, the only reason I'm saying to follow me is because I'm trying to follow Jesus. That's that's the only reason I would ever say that, right? He would never say that. The only reason I'm saying over and over to imitate me is because I'm trying to imitate Jesus. And and I just want to let you know that the only reason Hershey Free Church gathers here week after week after week, it's not because we're trying to be good, right? We don't have a goal in life just to be more gooder. (laughs) That's not it's because we we believe that Jesus was God in the flesh that he came to this world he died and he resurrected from the dead I mean that's a that's a big deal like people don't resurrect from the dead after being locked in a tomb for three days like this doesn't happen right and if that happened that he's he's really God and what whatever he said must it must mean something besides be good right there must be something more to this than just being moral uh, and so I would, I would challenge you, if you would say, look, I, I respect Jesus, I haven't like plunged in and gone all Christian or anything, if, if that's you, I just want to challenge you, if you respect Jesus, to explore and study what, like, what did he really care about? What was his real message? What was he really all about? And if you're not sure where to go with that, uh, uh, feel free to contact me, love to go out to lunch with you or something. Uh, and I also want to point out, if you want someone to pray with you, or if you want to talk about this now, we're going to have members of our prayer team up in the front. Uh, with that said if you're on our prayer team and you are available to pray with people after the service you can go ahead and stand i'm going to close and pray in a second you can go ahead and stand and come up to the front and make yourself available please come and pray you don't have to say anything they'll, they'll pray with you if, if you want okay uh, with that said let me pray for you all and for you all watching online as well father i want to thank you for jesus and for for sending him uh, as, a, as, a, as a human like us to live out an example for us, and of course to sacrifice his life in forgiveness of our sins. Father, I also want to pray for all of my friends that are here with me and listening with me uh, that, that we would be able to find godly men and women that we can imitate. I also want to pray that you would gradually over time shape our character, shape our lives into the kind of character that would be a model for godly living for others. Uh, Lord, grant, grant us mercy when we mess up, uh, but also grant us grace to pursue christ 's likeness a little more each and every day. We pray this to you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, with that said, I want to thank you for giving me your attention, and I just want to remind you that, that we're not, I'm not going to dismiss you. Uh, church isn't something you just attend. It's, it's, it's who you are. It's what you do. So you are not being dismissed, but you are being sent to imitate Jesus. You are being sent to model a life of godly living, You are being sent to become the kind of person that is worth imitating. You are not dismissed. You are sent. Thank you.